Back to another episode of Do Not Listen to This Podcast. I am your host, Sam Lacrosse, and I'm here with a very special guest, my friend, Cayman Hardy of almost four years. Um, is it? You know, we're in our fourth three year. Years. Is it three years? Okay, because like I think I get like the like I can't do math, so I always like figure when you, <laughs> like like you know like what year one to ten is actually like nine years and not and not ten years. And so so is so it, ha- it has been three years at this point. Mm-hmm. Each other. Yep, it's crazy. It is crazy. I remember you were, so we were, how we got to meet each other is that in the company that must not be named, we were on corresponding sales teams. We weren't on the same team, but we were kind of on adjacent teams. And you were the, I remember I sent uh, individual messages to every single person on your team. And I love some of the people on your original team. You were the only one to set up time on my calendar. So we got to know each other very, very early, very, very quickly. And um, it is corresponded into a friendship that has transcended not only work, but also uh, life stuff. We were just talking before we got on the podcast about kind of just we, how we both can go on and talk about multiple things for multiple hours and multiple different topics. And yeah. uh, we've done so over the years, which has been a very, a very wonderful thing. So I really appreciate you having, or coming on my podcast. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So I think I'm actually kind of curious about this as well. I, I know a little bit in terms of kind of the, you know, kind of the, maybe like the outside of the puzzle, but I don't really know the interior of the puzzle. So I have the kind of the skeleton constructed, but for the audience and for maybe anything you want to maybe self-promote or market about yourself, kind of who are you? Like, what's your background? How did you grow up? Where are you now? Kind of, you know, what do you, you know, what do you do? Like all the things that you want to share, just go ahead and why don't you just get into that to start off? Yeah. All right. So I'll just give a little bit of a background about me. Um, I'm from Boston, Mass. Grew up in the Boston area. I've lived in Boston my entire life. Um, my boyfriend and I actually just bought a house in Methuen, Mass. So just outside the city. Um, been a mass hole through and through <laughs> my entire <laughs> life. I uh, went to UMass Amherst and right after we graduated UMass actually started working at the same company as Sam. That's how we got introduced, like he mentioned before. Um, I've been a little bit in- interested in a little bit of everything my entire life. I didn't necessarily anticipate that sales would be my career, um, but I'm loving it so far. I'm happy where I'm at. But as uh, Sam mentioned, I'm, you know, I am interested in a lot of things. I'm pretty multifaceted person, I would say. Um, I'm starting to write a little bit. I've always been a writer. I've always been an artist. Um, Recently, my newest favorite project has been interior design as I've been decorating my house. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's just a little bit about me. I'm a pretty creative person, but also a really hardworking person, very detail oriented. I kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. (laughs) But um you know, I'm happy to be here and just try to see where the conversation leads us. Sure. And what was your degree in, by the way? I don't know if I ever asked you. Yeah. So my degree was in legal studies. Um, my original plan was to go to law school, actually. Um, I was really passionate about law in undergrad and I actually did an internship at the student legal services office with two attorneys. I became really passionate about family law and actually really wanted to help women, um, get out of domestic abuse situations. Mm -hmm. And that was really like my passion. I have had that passion about helping people in that way for a long time. It really just came down to 
the cost of law school <laughs> at I, the end of the I, day I, um that kind of held me back but at some point in my life down the road that's also an option you know I'm considering going back to school um you know we'll see if that if that happens maybe it'll happen maybe it won't but um that's a you know a cause I'm pretty passionate about and yeah, a little interested in that um, legal stuff as well. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it, it's very interesting because, I mean, I think especially with, you know, the people that we started to work with in our entry-level jobs, like we had people from all sorts of different degrees coming in. We had yeah. our, our friend Taylor Robichaud was a biology major. She kind of came in and did a bunch of different things. And then, you know, a lot of people were just kind of everywhere from I was finance, communications, you were legal studies. Like it was just, it's kind of like, you know, sales is the great equalizer and the great mm -hmm. you know, ultimate weed out of kind of like, it is the most, I think, meritocratic institution in in the world, I think, or your job in the world, I should say, because like, it doesn't matter anything really about you. Like, it's either kind of a you have it or you don't type of a thing. And mm -hmm. it's so interesting to see like who blossoms and who uh, does not from a wide variety of studies, because it's like everyone can and everyone can't at the same time, which I found to be really, really interesting as I've gone through it. Definitely. I agree. It really comes down to, I think, having people skills, you know, knowing how to communicate, knowing how to advocate for yourself, um, you know, being a hard worker. And those are kind of very transmutable skills that can apply to a lot of different fields. So, you know, if you have those skills and you're a biology major, like you were saying, or legal studies major, um, you know, you can always make the pivot to sales. Yeah, I agree. And uh, like, I think what I wanted to dig in with you originally is that, you know, you always, and I've slid up on a couple of these stories um, occasionally before when we've talked about these things, because you have all these very like lofty and very inspiration. It's not like inspirational quotes either. It's kind of, it's very interesting kind of what you've been posting on or reposting on your stories in terms of, you know, content, you post a lot of funny things, which I also really appreciate too. <laughs> I find that those very funny, but you also have something that's like very kind of, um, aggressive, like very straight to the point, like go out and, you know, go for something, especially while you're young, you're only going to be young once you might as well, like, you know, state out what you want to do specifically and just go after it and really do what you want to do. And you have very much lived that lifestyle. Like you are, because you're only, I think you, I don't know if you, I'm relatively the same age, you might be a little older or younger than I am or, or vice versa, but like you're around like your mid twenties and you've already bought a home in Boston, which is a very hard thing to do because houses are expensive everywhere. And Boston is oh, yeah. very expensive to buy a house. And so um, your boyfriend also works. He also does the same thing that we do, but it's kind of, it's still like, that's a really impressive thing to have. You are advancing very rapidly in your career. You're making good money. You have a lot of good friendships, connections, everything else. So why, why are you so, I would say, advocatious about kind of what you post and why you're kind of encouraging people to go for things in that direction, no matter if it's what you want, what they want, or just in general, like, why are you so encouraging of people from that sense? Yeah. So, you know, I grew up sort of having to advocate for myself and having to learn a lot on my own and sort of pave my own way. Um, you know, I came from a broken family with divorced parents, you know, was raised by a single mom and I was the oldest daughter. I have two younger brothers that are twins. Um, so I pretty much you know, my mom, she tried her best, but she was really busy. You know, she didn't have a lot of time to be around and, you know, really provide me like a lot of guidance or direction that I needed. Um, she tried her best, but a lot of things that I had to figure out in life, I really had to rely on myself and figure it out on my own. I also, you know, being the oldest child, I had to like be the role model and kind of set an example for my two younger brothers. Um, so it was kind of out of necessity, I guess, kind of out of like, you know, survival, I needed to learn how to adapt and 
find a way to get myself into a situation where I didn't feel, you know, like I was going to be financially stressed out anymore or, you know, in a situation where I just wanted to make my life better and I wanted to create a better life for my kids, my future children. I don't have any children right now. I should specify <laughs> But um, for my future children and to set an example for my brothers and kind of change the trajectory of like my family history and family patterns, which, you know, in my family also, there's like a lot of alcoholism, a lot of very bad spending habits, people who are not very good with their money. And I really wanted to change all of that for myself. Um, I would say the, the way that I kind of got, got there is by making connections with people that really, really matter to me. And also really doing a lot of self-reflecting and being super brutally honest with myself because I had to realize that if you're not willing to look at yourself in the mirror and like face all the ugly truths and the things about yourself that you might not be proud of um you're not going to make changes you're not going to get yourself out of a place where you feel stuck um into somewhere better so I was always not afraid to be honest with myself and accept the things that maybe were kind of shitty and that I didn't, I, you know, I didn't want to admit. Um, and then I also really focus on making connections with people that were good, genuine people, um, people that had skills that I wanted to learn or people who, you know, would be able to teach me things or had a, a sense of like the si similar values and just similar um, ideas as me, you know, the people that I was on sort of the same level playing field with in terms of just wanting to improve themselves. Um, because I really just have realized that who you surround yourself with, obviously, you know, who's in your circle is really going to determine or be a huge factor in determining how far you can go and improve as a person. So I was very, always very selective about who I allowed into my circle. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, growing up, I was burnt quite a few times, you know, I had bad friends. Um, I had people that would stab me in the back. I had bullying situations happening to me, uh, put up with a lot of things I didn't need to put up with. And, you know, recently, like my goal for 2023 has been, you know, to really enforce like setting boundaries um, and really, again, focus on having a, being very selective about the circle of people you allow into your life. So that's kind of a long-winded answer, but I would say, yeah. you know, that's sort of the motivation behind the inspirational things that I post um, because I think that in general, most people would be better off if they were willing to take a long, hard look at themselves, if they were willing to actually think about the kind of people that they want to have in their lives and the kind of behavior that they want to emulate and like yeah. replicate themselves um, instead of encouraging, you know, bad behavior or, you know, just being friends with people just to be friends with people. I agree. I, do you, do you feel a lot of pressure when you say, because I mean, you, you kind of did, I don't know if you, you kind of said it without saying it, where you feel somewhat of an obligation to break these generational curses in your family, whatever that may be. I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of what the legal studies endeavor was, especially in relationship with your mother. And I'm sure you have a lot of feelings on a bunch of other things that you said in your past family history or whatever. But I kind of actually relate to that a lot in terms of my um my little sister has autism you know my brother and i are just very different in the way we want to live our lives so i feel a pressure to like live up to like the lacrosse family last name in multiple ways and everything like that so and i feel a lot of pressure with that i just i didn't know if you had the same feeling or if you kind of felt more freed by that or whatever it was what is the overall feeling you get when you think about the that kind of obligation that you put on yourself um i definitely do feel a lot of pressure I also feel like at some point I want to 
be able to give back, you know, to my mom, especially for everything that she's done for me. You know, she worked really, really hard with two jobs as a single mom for a lot of years when I was in high school. Um, you know, wasn't around for us as much as she wanted to be just because she needed to be able to put food on the table for us. So at some point, I also would like to be able to return the favor, you know, whether that's like maybe someday I buy her a condo or like I'm able to give yeah. back in some in some way um, to my mom and then also to my younger brothers. Yeah, like I feel the pressure of, you know, wanting to heal the generational trauma, wanting to give back to the people that were there for me and helped me out. And there's a lot more people along the way other than just my immediate family. But um, at the same time, though, I am also in the process of learning that you can't be that person. You can't set that good example if you're not willing to put yourself first. So I think that it's a, that's an important distinction to make when you're having this these thoughts is that, you know, we might just feel inclined to just want to give, give, give and like to take care of the people that were there for us, you know, and to be a certain way for the sake of other people. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not being true to yourself, if you're not prioritizing yourself and taking care of yourself, you're not going to be able to be that person. You're going to get burnt out. You might eventually become a little bit resentful. Um, and I think that it's important to make sure that, you know, you are putting yourself first because then you'll be pouring from an empty cup <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. And, and that actually leads into the second follow-up question I had on the question I just asked you. I think, and and you can feel free to correct me if, if you feel differently from this, but I feel like the people that have that some kind of fundamental break in their early life, whether that be kind of like me, I have a disabled sibling, you have divorced parents, and, and a lot of people have a lot of other issues like cancer or disease or, you know, something else, you know, natural disaster, whatever it might be. And that leads, I think, people, especially I would think um, I'm an older, um, oldest sibling as well. I think oldest siblings feel this in a lot of different ways. Oh, yeah. A lot of other people do. Um, but I think that there are, there's kind of like an, that obligation to, like you said earlier, you had a lot of uh, you got burned by a lot of people. You were, oh, yeah. you, were bullied, you were picked on, you picked bad friends. I had all the mm -hmm. same things happen to me as well. Do you think that that is kind of like a, a overcompensation in terms of like the world was so mean to me in a sense that I have to be just so nice to everyone because I know what it's like to feel kind of very, you know, kicked to the floor by a bunch of people. Cause I, I feel that way. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel that way. Certainly. Yeah. You know, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. I never thought about it that way before I think that can make a lot of sense for a lot of people um in my situation I think it was a little bit different I think the reason I was so I definitely was super nice way too nice a people pleaser again that's still something I'm working on I'm horrible with conflict and confrontation like I'm not good at you know having arguments and disagreements with people you know my inclination is to just immediately go you know what no 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 you're right I'm sorry I didn't mean it like yeah. just apologize for my entire existence let everybody else you know <laughs> plow me over and just and that's not a good way to be obviously that's not why I'm working on it but I think for me my my situation a lot of that had to do with growing up in a broken home and growing up with parents that were emotionally immature I think that's kind of a very delicate way of putting it but you know I grew up with parents that would have loud screaming arguments all the time um you know, borderline, you know, emotionally abusive to each other to also to me and my brothers. So I grew up needing to be sort of the peacemaker. Um, and I had to walk around on eggshells like, okay, I can't make anybody upset. 
I need to be super nice all the time and not take up any space. And nobody can even know that I'm here. I'm just going to be like quiet and keep to myself and keep everybody happy. And I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to start fighting anybody, that whole thing. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it was a lot of that for me. Um, but at the same time, you know, I do see it as in situations like that happening where when you're burned and when you're hurt by friends or by other, you know, other people in your life wanting to go out there and then wanting to be like, I know what it feels like. So I want to be nicer to other people. I want to treat other people the way that I wish people would treat me. Um, so I could see it being a little bit of both for, for a lot of people in a lot of situations. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think that's really, that's really good. That's really good self-reflection too, I think, because, mm-hmm. you know, leading into kind of what the next, the next thing I wanted to touch on is kind of like that, like that, what that trajectory of life looks like now that we have all those things that we're currently dealing with and want to do. So I know you and I have talked about this pretty extensively in, in the past, but I, I think we kind of are somewhat disenchanted with the way a lot of people our age live life and what they do and how they live and how they live and what they think is important and what they value. And I wrote a whole book about this, like everything that's kind of you know, doing around all these things. So what is your current opinion of the state of the way I would say more of the gen, the Gen Z that is coming up in the world, whether that be in work or corporate America or something like that? What, what, what is your opinion of the way that people live? And do you think that it is misguided or flawed or, or what, what is your overall opinion of those things in comparison to where you want to be? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the younger generation kind of takes for granted a lot of the sacrifices and kind of things that we had to deal with growing up. Um, but I think that's kind of true for every generation, right? You know, every newer generation has newer, you know, advantages that the previous generation didn't have. Um, so they can't necessarily relate, you know, to some of the things and obstacles that we had to face. I, I do think that as society progresses and has gone on, um, there are things like mental health, for example, the topic of mental health is becoming a lot more mainstream now. It's becoming a lot more accepted. Um, that's something that I think Gen Z is going to, you know, positively change that our generation didn't necessarily have. I mean, we kind of saw, you know, we're not, you know, still in our mid twenties, like we kind of saw like the acceptance of mental health becoming more of a thing when we were growing up. But I think with this next generation, they're going to be a lot more open. They're going to be a lot more accepting of things like that. Um, and I'm hope hopefully they'll be able to make positive changes, you know, in the field of mental health and with ending the stigma around mental health. Um, so I think that's just a really positive thing that's coming up with, you know, Gen Z and kind of their new, new way of thinking about life and just living their lives. Um, you know, in term, and then, you know, like I mentioned in terms of perhaps negative things, it could be that, you know, they have it a lot easier in a lot of ways, but also in a lot of ways they have it a lot harder because we yeah. kind of were the last generation of kids that really played outside. I've I've heard before like that quoted, I've seen it on like TikTok and Instagram, but it's really true. Like there was a point in time where, you know, we were eight, nine, 10 years old and we didn't have phones and we were outside, we would play with our friends and we would like ride our bikes down the street and have a great, have a great time. And life was a lot simpler yeah. nowadays, you know, you see 10 year olds all the time with tablets, you know, they're, uh, they have iPhones, you know, they're on TikTok <laughs> at super early ages. So you got to think about that too. And what that's potentially doing that's harmful to that generation. So, you know, I think that that's a little unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because I, I think, you know, going back to, I think you, you raised a point earlier surrounding like every generation has like 
their mm-hmm. trauma from the previous generation they have or whatever. And we kind of have, you know, just that, you know, kind of lingering, you know, stench about ourselves. I think that there, there are, and I think it's, it's very easy for me, especially because I talk about this stuff all the time to kind of just like throw darts at the Gen Z dartboard basically and mm-hmm. say, like, this thing is wrong. This thing is wrong. This thing is wrong. But, but what I, what I have thought, especially recently is that um, I, I go back to something that uh, Tim, uh, Tim Dillon, the comedian was saying on Lex Friedman's podcast once. And he said, he's a millennial. And so he said, um, I think the you know the millennials get a pretty bad rap in our culture, but we also got very very bad advice from our parents, which yeah. I and they and I think they got which I think is very very accurate. And I and I don't and this is not me excusing the millennials totally. They have responsibility to your point and everything, mm-hmm. but they got you know they were raised by the boomers, which I'm slowly finding out are I, I realize why they're getting so much shit in the culture because they were turned out to be very selfish, very self absorbed, self aggrandizing, like all all those things, and also they got hit we're kind of seeing this like with a lot of people who are emerging in the culture now who are millennials who are becoming more prominent names. They got hit with the buzzsaw of the financial crisis and everything going on behind that. And so that was obviously a big deal. And I think for us, um, I don't necessarily know, and it was probably something we touched on earlier, kind of what we're carrying from, you know, our parent, the Gen Xers raising us to now. But I think what we had to, we had two buzzsaws that we got hit with. One was social media. The other was COVID. And I think yeah. the other might be AI. So we might be three for three on, on, on the AI one is still to be determined yet. Oh, but we, yeah. you know, we just, I don't think we knew, and I don't think anyone really knew what to do with social media and with COVID, but then we got hit by both of them and everyone just kind of freaked out. And the younger people that are kind of our age and below just really didn't know what to do. Cause you don't know how to really navigate anything because we don't know about really what the world has, but mm-hmm. that's kind of, my overall, you know, sticking point when it comes to that, it's like we had two things we were very, very unprepared for. The world was very, mm-hmm. very unprepared for them. And we just kind of got clocked across the face and really didn't see it coming. And then that is kind of leading to a lot of these bad behaviors, like the 10 year olds on TikTok and everything yeah. going with like this, you know, identity and value misalignment and everything like mm-hmm. that. And I think it's kind of be, it's going to be very interesting to watch how that affects everything yeah. to your point. But I, um, I, I just, I just don't know what the answer is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's there's something to be said about Gen Z sort of lack of identity, lack of values, um, you know, which you just briefly touched on. There's, you know, I feel like that's sort of a double-edged sword. You know, it's a little bit of a blessing and a curse because in some ways I kind of admire Gen Z's like carefree sort of, I'm just going to live in the moment. I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm going to do what makes me happy and, you know, fuck everything else kind of mindset. Yeah. Um, because in a in a way it's like, I feel like our generation, our parents' generation, and the generation before that, we really put a lot of pride and emphasis on like, we need to be a certain way. We need to do a certain thing in order to be successful, in order to, you know, make our families proud and, you know, to do this and this and that. And I think that it's hard to find like a balance. I think sometimes it can be too extreme when you're putting all of this pressure on yourself to fit into a certain mold of like what you think you should be. Um, you know, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to be too carefree either and not care, you know, because then what do you stand for? And, you know, what positive changes are you actually going to make in the world? So I just think that there's, I just wanted to touch on that for a sec. I do think there's yeah. something positive about that um, because, you know, you should live your life for yourself. You shouldn't be super concerned with other people or your status or trying to be something just for the sake of being something. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you should want to be somebody that you're proud of and you should want to like, discover who you are and actually stand for things instead of just being this wishy-washy unlike misaligned person yeah that doesn't 
of values. So yep. yeah, I just thought that was an interesting point I wanted to bring up. No, I, I think I think it's a great one. And I think, you know, it, it's interesting because I do agree with you that we are a very kind of, I think you use the word carefree, and I think that's a very perfect way to describe everything. But one of the things that I I was reading a book on this. I'm, I'm researching, um, you know, I'm researching an, a, a book, right? Or I was researching a book uh, that I want to write when I was reading this book. Um, the book called iGen by D, by uh, Gene Twenge. Have you ever heard of that book before? Mm -mm. So uh, Gene Twenge is basically the leading academic researcher on Gen Z in the world. She's a professor at San Diego State, and she's done like a bunch of things on, you know, gener various generations. She did a book on the millennials. She did a book on uh, Gen Z. She's researching one on Generation Alpha, which is going to be like our, you know, young the generations coming up after ours. And so she said the one defining trait of all Gen Z across the widest variety of uh, demographics of ethnicities, gender, sexual orientation, whatever you want to, is is very kind of counterintuitive and very interesting to the point that we just both agreed on was that the number one dominant trait of Gen Z is that they don't take risks. So we're mm -hmm. careful we don't take risks. Like our rates of entrepreneurship is down. We drink less alcohol. We smoke less cigarettes. We do less drugs. We have less sex. We get married less. We do all of these other things that kind of can lead to those big, you know, disastrous type of things, whether it be like addiction or divorce or abuse or, you know, all these other things that are kind of coming in full circle. But I think that there's something deeply kind of troubling about that in a sense mm -hmm. too, because, you know, I've personally found, you know, I have been to the brink of, you know, financial catastrophe, like seven times in the last like two months. I've had like a lot of things coming, you know, coming wrong with all these things. Yeah. Uh, had, you know, my publisher just blew up, like a bunch of other things have, have went wrong. And I, you know, those things were not fun going through them in the moment, but I'm, I'm still here. I'm alive. I'm talking to you on a computer. So my life can't mm -hmm. be that bad, you know? And so that's kind of my philosophy on that is that I find that very, um, very troubling with a lot of people our age that we don't, we are not putting ourselves out there. There's another, another, yeah, story, I um, agree. Yeah. yeah. And so there's another, uh, just one more thing. And then I'll, I'll let you respond to that. There's one on, I think the more um, personal front is that uh, Chris Williamson, who does the modern wisdom podcast, who I, who I like a lot. And so Chris is writing a book about, you know, social and sexual dynamics between men and women right now with a guy named David Buss, who's actually at UT Austin about like 10 minutes from where I am right now. And they're doing a book surrounding all this. Who's also one of the leading researchers in the field. And it's gotten to a point where, 86% of women in a very wide uh, survey has said have said publicly that they want a man to approach them in a bar in a romantic setting to, you know, get them to maybe be attracted to them to start to date them. But 50% of men are terrified and said they will never approach a woman because they'll be perceived as creepy while doing so. And I can personally relate to that. And I know a lot of other guys can relate to that personally. And I know a lot of women that also are wanting, you know, that type of thing to happen. So it's like, it's just, it's everything. It's, it's, you know, friendships yeah. and, and romantic partnerships and business and career and all these things. So I, I find that very interesting that we're kind of carefree, as you said, but we're also very risk averse, which I don't know if, yeah. you know, so it's, it's very interesting. I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that's a little, it is a little bit concerning because, you know, how are we going to change the world? How are we going to make the world a better place for future generations? If we're not willing to take risks and shake things up and, you know, change the systems and structures that are in place now, um, to be able to create better, a better future. Um, you know, it's going to take bravery. It's going to take people that are willing to think outside the box and go against the grain. And I've always been somebody that's actually thought that way. You know, that's one of the things that growing up, you know, in high school, probably why, you know, I wasn't necessarily liked probably one of the reasons I was picked on, but it was because like, I've always kind of had that in me, that little bit of like fire in me that was like, I want to do things differently. And I don't care what anybody says. 
like you nobody can tell me what to do with my life like I'm gonna do what I want to do at the end of the day um and that I think is an important trait to have you know within reason you know you don't want to take it too far but within reason I think it's healthy I think it's good I think that's how new ideas are created and new things happen in the world um you know, I do think people should take more risks and, you know, it is a little bit upsetting and disappointing that Gen Z doesn't feel, you know, super comfortable doing that. Um, you know, I guess, but we'll see what happens. The future remains to be seen, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, you know, a good, a, I think I, I've been kind of thinking about ways that I can encourage this because like, it's one thing to say like, you know, because people come up to me like, oh my God, Sam, you wrote a book. That's so cool. And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, it's cool because like I actually like to do the thing. It's like I do not recommend that everyone write a book, mm-hmm. and I ignore, should everyone write a book, in my opinion. I think that there are people that should and people that shouldn't. So mm-hmm. I've been t- trying to, you know, make these recommendations or at least download some things in my head, saying kind of like, okay, what risks are are good, and what examples can I say in my own life to kind of say those to other people? So, do you have examples of like what do you what you think like a good risk is or kind of any that you have taken in your life in terms of any domain that you think that people should take um that's a really hard question (laughs) and that's a great question though I mean I think it's different for everybody right I think it's kind of has to do with following your intuition um and being true to yourself honestly if there if you've always wanted to you know move to New York City I know that's a pretty cliche one but say you know you grow up out out in the country somewhere and you've always wanted to live in a big city your whole life like I think you should make that move nobody's you know nothing's stopping you find a way to make that happen um you know I think that you should you can always take a chance at on a new career you can always take a chance on going back to school if you want to go back to school um you know trying a new workout class trying a new hobby it's things like that I just think are all good healthy risks to take and you know I like I said earlier it it has to be within reason you know you have to make sure you're financially mentally physically you know in with like able to do it but um you know I think that just in general pretty much all risks are good risks to take if they're within reason and if they're well thought out well planned you're in a position to take the risk I think um you know, one thing I also wanted to mention, just like tying this back to Gen Z, part of the issue I think why people don't want to take risks today is that they don't want to hurt other people's feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah. know, like it goes back to like what you were saying about men not necessarily wanting to approach women in bars because they don't want to be seen as creepy. Like I think we sort of have this now universal walking on eggshells mentality of like, oh, I need to, you know be super politically correct with everything that I say and do, because I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to make anybody upset. I don't want to offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings. And I think that's part of the reason probably why people are afraid to take risks because they're like, Oh, if I do this thing, if I start a podcast or if I write a book, I'm going to offend people. If I start a YouTube channel, like I'm going to have haters and people that don't like me and I don't want to not be liked, you know, I want to, I want people to like me and I don't want to upset anyone. And I think that's kind of, again, people pleasing attitude, which is something that like I'm working on changing about myself. I think that's, you know, not a good way to be. I think if you're going to exist in in this life, like there's not going to be, you're never going to be able to please everybody. If you, it's, there's an, a quote that I'm, pro- I'm sure I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's like, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's pretty true. And I, you know, it's like, you can't just, you know, people are going to judge you either way. You need to be who you want to be and take the risks 
and do what you need to do, um, you're going to offend people no matter what, basically. You're going to piss people off no matter what. You're never going to be able to make everybody happy. And at the end of the day, the only person you're doing a disservice to by not taking these risks and not doing what you want to be doing with your life is yourself. And also like future generations, because, you know, you are a perfect example of somebody who's actually like started making a difference. You know, you've written a book that thousands of people are reading and it's definitely making a difference in people's lives. And that book will be around for generations to come. You know, who's to say, you know, you might be like actually making somebody think and question like, oh, you know what? Maybe I am going to go do this thing I've always wanted to do. You might be inspiring people because you were not afraid to take that risk and put yourself out there and write that book even though I'm also sure you got a lot of people you got a lot of heat I'm sure you pissed a lot of people off you said that your next book is going to piss a lot of people off but I think that's a good thing and I think that's just you know you're you're being true to yourself and you're you know there's always going to be people that are upset and there's nothing we can do (laughs) yeah well I I think I think that's that's a very very great point I I think that there is um I'm, this is a Jack London quote, but I first heard in the last, last James Bond movie that came out, uh, ironically. So Jack London kind of has a quote where you where you were saying this earlier, kind of not on the quote that you cited, but uh, in a different area, you were saying, like, my goal is uh, to live, not just to exist. I will use my time. And I think that's kind of, we have a lot of people that are kind of existing, but I don't think a lot of people who are truly like living the way they want to live in a lot of ways. And I think that does start with being very specific and very particular about kind of what you want out of everything. And this is something that I actually believe, and you might not agree with me on this, but I actually think from what I have seen from your life, you've actually done quite a very good job at this. You've actually been very particular about what you want to do in life, what you want to spend, who you want to spend your time with, the friends you want to have. Like, yeah, of course, everything. And thank you for the compliments, by the way. Those are very, very nice. So, um, so you, but you've been very particular with how you've kind of architected your lifestyle kind of around what ideal you want to center and focus on. And so how does one start or how, I guess, you know, I'll walk you through kind of what you did. Maybe it could be applicable to other people. How did you start making those decisions? Because you said you were a people pleaser for the very longest time. You're kind of a recovering people pleaser as you, Mm -hmm. as you put it in a lot of ways. And you have since, you know, very much turned it around. It seems like in most ways, and you are very kind of like, you are, you very focus very much on who you hang out with. You focus very much on what you do and how you spend your time and how you spend your money. And so how did you start kind of narrowing that focus and making those decisions so you can kind of avoid that old mindset and get into a new and more constructive one? Yeah. Um. So there's no real clear cut answer with that. I think a lot of it just comes with, you know, age, you know, maturing, growing up, you know, you kind of start to notice patterns with yourself or situations where you're feeling like burnt out or you're feeling unfulfilled in your relationships or with your career, whatever it may be. Um, You know, when you're just in a point where you feel down or you feel like something's not aligned, something's not right. That's when I just say it's, you know, it's so important to start looking at yourself and really thinking and just like, really just like look inward and reflect and therapy can help with that journaling can help with that um reading books listening to podcasts can help with that getting other perspectives you know getting yourself out of the same circle of friends and family and people that you surround yourself with can be really helpful you know you might hear something that you've never heard before and be like you know what that makes a lot of sense like i never thought about it like that before and it can get the wheels turning and it can get you to like break some of those thought patterns that you've had um you know i'd say it really just comes down to self-reflecting and whatever that looks like for you is um the right way to go and you know start with small changes too it doesn't have to be everything all at once you know can start with very small changes having a conversation with a colleague that 
you haven't spoken to in, you know, six months, you know, just to get a new perspective, just to shake things up a little bit, maybe changing up your routine a little bit, um, incorporating something new and positive into your life and just seeing how that change affects you. Just there's little ways to start, um, but just things that get you to start thinking and doing life a little differently. Um, and you start to figure out what feels good and what doesn't, what aligns, what doesn't. Um, you know, that can be people, friendships, relationships, career, hobbies, you know, you name it. But, you know, start with those small changes and that self-reflection and you should be able to start to feel out, all right, what makes sense for me and what doesn't, what do I want? What do I not want? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And I think the the one key portion to that that we kind of touched on earlier, I want to kind of bring that around and, and tackle that full circle again, is that you said, you know, basically in, in that process, you're making the best decisions. And you constantly come back to this point in this conversation as well, where you said it's the best decision for you and for mm -hmm. your life and for what you want to do and putting yourself first and doing everything like this, which I think is good advice when it's used constructively, which you're, you're very much tempted to do here. You're not being, a, you're not telling people to be a narcissist. You're telling people to kind of focus on, you know, making a appropriate decision for where you are in your current season, exactly. of life, which is, which is, you know, a, I think really good advice and there's really nothing wrong with that. I think the one impediment that a lot of people have that you've already pointed out is the world around them constantly chirping in their ear about mm -hmm. kind of ways about like, do you yeah. really want to be doing the thing that you say you want to do and, and this or that or whatever. And, and so how do you tune out the world when making those decisions where you might say like, for example, like, you know, your, your, your mom or something says like, you, are you really wanting to, you know, be friends with that girl or go out and do this or something like that? And I don't know your mother, so she might not say anything. So I'm, I'm hope she, I hope she doesn't, but I mean, oh. there are people that are, you know, in your life that may be saying like, oh, are you really going to do this thing? Are you really going to, you know, write these, these books that we're going to talk about later? Or you really want to do all these things? Like, why do you want to do all this stuff? And so how do you dictate the pace of that, where, of where you want to go and not in the inverse, where the world is kind of informing your decisions and you kind of focusing on the outside of that? Yeah. So that's a very, very great, great question. Again, Sam, that's something that's been a big theme for me this year. Um, I've taken a good hard look at all the relationships and people in my life. And, you know, there are some people in my life that I've realized I just don't share certain things with them. It comes down to boundaries, right. And protecting yourself and protecting your energy. Um, you know, again, first step is you have to figure out what, what matters to you, what's important to you, what you like, what you don't like, like we just talked about. Then once you have a good idea of like what's precious to you like what means the most to you who you are as a person the things that you cherish about yourself and that you enjoy doing be careful who you share that with um and i would say you know do what you need to do to protect that energy it doesn't mean close yourself off you know and don't tell anyone um but there are certain things that you know you should hold sacred you know for yourself there are certain people that maybe you do have them in your life and they they are somebody that means a lot to you like my mom's actually a good example of this you know, I love my mom. I'm always going to have a good relationship with her, but my mom is horrible at advice. My mom did not have yeah, lived the yeah. life that I've wanted to live. I'm not going to go to her and be like, Hey mom, what do you think about this new book that I'm writing? Or, right. you know, I right. think I'm thinking about applying to school, going back to law school, because I know she's going to give me horrible advice. She has my whole entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just being able to recognize that it comes with practice. It comes with growing up and, you know, learning your limits with certain people there's nothing wrong with me having a good relationship with my mom I still love her I still do things with her I just know it has to be you know there's certain boundaries there's certain things I won't discuss with her you know right. for my own sake um to spare myself it's the same thing with another friend that I have who is a lifelong friend you know childhood friend we grew up together 
um, actually took a break from her this year because we had so many boundary issues, um, you know, and she would give me unsolicited advice and very negative opinions about things and always had something to say that would tear me down or kind of was competitive with me in a weird way about stuff. Yeah. And I just was like, I, I need a break. I, I told her, I actually wrote her a letter and I just said like, you know, I still love you. I care about you. I want all that what's best for you, but for my own sake right now, like I need to take a step back. I need some time to focus on myself. We can reconnect in the future. I hope. Um, but for the time being, like I need to focus on me. Uh, so I stepped away from that friendship for a while. Thankfully we were able to, you know, reconnect but we both had sort of a fresh new perspective on things. And now moving forward, there are certain things I'm not going to share with her because I know, you know, I don't want that negative input. I don't want that negative advice. Um, you know, so my strategy, I guess, for tuning it out is to kind of be conscious and cognizant of who you share things with, but that's not necessarily always going to be the best strategy. Like I can't say I have it fully figured out yet because there's going to be situations where, you know, like I, you mentioned in the beginning, I'm planning all these kind of creative endeavors. I eventually want to start a YouTube channel and I'm going to be putting out videos to the whole entire world on the internet. Like I'm going to have people that give me negative opinions no matter what. So there's really no way of fully avoiding it. Um, and I think the answer to that is just confidence, self-confidence. Mm. When, when you're confident in yourself, which, you know, again, that's something I'm working on protect your energy. But if you can't, there's going to be situations where you can't, you know, and you need to do what you need to do. And you, what, what might get negative feedback from people, there might not be a way to avoid that or protect yourself from that. And in those situations, it really just comes down to having self-confidence and, you know, trusting yourself and being like, you know what, I love myself. I respect myself. I know I'm doing this my, from good, a place of good intentions. I know I'm not intending, you know, I don't plan to hurt anybody with what I'm doing. I'm doing what this because it's what's, it's what's best for me. And if you can, you know, stand strong in your convictions and have that self-confidence, I really think that's when that doesn't matter what people say to you or about you, you're going to be unfazed by it, Yeah, which is a hard place to get to. And it takes a lot of work to get there. And I think nobody's ever there all the time, you well, know, but. Yeah, I, I was about to ask you, was that really scary for you when you started to do that? I, I would imagine it probably would be because you're kind of, you had these kind of, I would imagine like very amorphous, if not non-existent boundaries. And you're kind of setting, oh, yeah. like writing a, a letter to someone is is very, very difficult. I've had to do that with a lot of things too. And you're like, you live, because you literally have to spell out like everything that you would like to say to get a clear message across. And it's it's yeah. like, it takes time to do that. It's like, I mean, you're sending a text, <laughs> but like, taking out a, a piece of paper and an envelope and doing that, like the pen on the paper thing, like, like that, that's hard. And so like, you know, was, was that really kind of scary for you when you started to go around that turn? Yeah. So it was, a, it took a long time. It took probably six months for me to fully to write it because I wrote a few different versions of it that, that were a little harsh, maybe were a little bit, you know, me I was just angry and resentful I was like writing it out all these things like I don't like when you do this and when you say this and you make me feel like this and I had you know I had a few drafts that I had to like cycle through before I felt like I got to a spot where I could write what I needed to say in the most clear respectful you know polite way but I can also communicate truly how I was feeling and not hold anything back mm -hmm. um so it was it was hard it was scary um and it took me a while to work my way up to that point but uh, again I knew my inner strengths, I knew my strengths and I knew my weaknesses going into it. And one of my strengths is writing. 
and I know I can express myself in writing a lot better sometimes than how I can express myself through talking. And especially through some sort of confrontation, like I mentioned earlier, I am not good at confrontation. If I had this conversation in person, she probably would have gotten defensive and been like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. I don't act like that. And I would have been like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. And mm-hmm. that isn't, that was, that would not have helped anybody. You know, we'd be stuck right where we already were. So I knew that writing would get my message across. I would be able to actually say everything that I needed to say. Um, and it was what I needed to do for the sake of that friendship, because, you know, like you said, no boundaries. It's really hard to go from, you know, 25 years of friendship, having no boundaries to all of a sudden, like, boom, like wanting to put a bunch of boundaries into place. There's really no way to do it. That isn't going to be a dramatic major shift in the friendship. So me writing her the letter, it was a seven page letter. It was a wow. very dramatic, dramatic thing for me to do and yeah. kind of crazy. And I felt like, kind of crazy doing it but I was like there's no other way um you know I can't the these changes aren't going to happen unless something extreme happens so like I did what I what I needed to do and I I just sort of hoped for the best and I had faith and I was like at the end of the day if like this is a person that's meant to be in my life this is somebody who will understand you know her feelings might be hurt in the beginning but like we were saying earlier you you know you can't go through your life tiptoeing around and not wanting to hurt other people's feelings sometimes you have to um, for your own sake, for your own sanity and yeah. just to be true and true to yourself and honoring yourself. So yeah, I did, you know, it was hard for me. It was scary for me to do, but it ended up paying off and I felt so much better. It was like taking a stand for myself, you know, for the first time in a long time. And now I think everything's in that friendship is going to be completely different and it's going to be a lot better moving forward uh, because, you know, she knows that there are certain things that you know lines that she can't cross and I've I'll, I've put those lines in like those lines in place for myself to protect myself and to protect my sanity and my mental health and everything else mm-hmm. I agree I agree well it's funny but like my, my, I remember I got into so I'm a very like my mind is very complex and I don't mean that in like mm-hmm. a, I'm smarter than a lot of people ways but it just kind of works <laughs> very ways where I had to like go through like Narnia to find the answer to a very very <laughs> question and so like you know and so like my my, talking to my dad is so refreshing because you know my dad is is a very simple person and that does not mean like he's dumb or that he's rudimentary in his thinking but like he's he's like yeah he's very just kind of like you know matter of fact like you know this no this is the thing that you should do like right here and so I remember I was talking with him about like you know all these things and I, I you know me and my mom um, have gotten in, in a lot of fights over the years because our brains work exactly the same way. And we kind of have the same level of static going up in both of our heads. And we just kind of have that branch out and zap one another when we're kind of, you know, <laughs> conflict with somebody. And so I was, I was, you know, talking to my dad about like the, this, you know, this stupid petty thing that I was getting into with my mom. And, um, you know, he's like, you know, Sam, you don't, you realize you don't have to tell every, your mom, everything about your life. Right. And I'm like, wow. Like I never, really, <laughs> I, I never really thought about that before, but he's absolutely correct because when I was, you know, going through my early college phrase where I was like really kind of in monk mode, basically. And, you know, I was at a satellite campus at my university and I didn't really have many friends or anything. I was by myself all the time. Like the, you know, the town around me was kind of like infested with drugs and crime and everything like that. And I, I really didn't want to be, you know, you know, I just didn't really have much to do. I would, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you know, my parents are kind of really my saving grace and I'll be forever grateful for that. But like, it kind of fostered that, unnecessary dependence on them to kind of, you know, me to go for them for all of the answers of everything. And now I think kind of 
to your point earlier, I do have this kind of expanded but selective network of people now where I can go to different people for different issues and I can feel mm -hmm. very evenly distributed around kind of the needs that I have for a lot of other people, which is, which is, exactly. it's, it's very, very refreshing. So I'm, I'm very glad to hear that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It takes, it takes, you know, looking at people and through a different lens and being able to see like, not everybody in your life is going to serve every purpose that you, you know, you might really want somebody to be a certain type of friend but if they don't have the capacity to be, you know, that type of person, then they can't be. Some friends are just like fun, you know, going out friends, fun friends that you see, you know, once every couple of months. And yep. then there's going to be friends that are like people that you can actually really lean on. You know, if things go horribly wrong, shit hits the fan, you really need somebody to be there for you. Then you have those people that will be there for you. But you can't put everybody all in the same bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you got and I, I would assume this is probably you don't have to get into this, but I mean, like you've been dating your boyfriend for a long time. And I'm assuming you guys mm -hmm. are very, you've been dating a long time for a reason because you can trust him and confide in him with a lot of other things. And you guys talk about, I would imagine, you know, a lot of things, not everything. And so you've had a lot of lifelong friends, short-term friends and everything mm -hmm. like that, that kind of just, you can get your, you know, your fix for everything from not just one person where you're like unhealthily codependent on one person exactly. kind of, you know, branch exactly. out get you know water a lot of plot water a lot of plants the same you know bucket of water basically exactly it's so important and the number one thing is you know to protect yourself from getting hurt is like we were saying earlier it's to prioritize yourself and make sure that you're putting your your own needs first and protecting yourself taking care of yourself because that way if somebody does end up hurting you um you know if a friend does betray you or if a friend can't show up for you in the way that you want them to you're like, oh, you know what? Like, it's gonna, it's still gonna hurt, but you'll be like, all right, well, I know I got me. Like, you know, like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, you know, shit might be going wrong. And, you know, I maybe I wish this person answered my call or I wish that they were there. But at the end of the day, I know I have my own back. I'll be fine. I have my own healthy ways of coping with things. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's an important, important thing to have too. It was one of the issues that I had with that friend that, you know, I took a break from um, was that she put a lot on me, a lot of pressure on me to sort of deal with her problems that she had going on too. And the people pleaser in me, this, I have this like savior complex of like, oh, I want to help you. I want to help you. And I'm going to give you advice and I'll sit there and I'll listen to you vent to me for 45 minutes a day, every single day on the phone. That takes a toll on you. And you don't want to be that person either. If you find yourself doing that to yeah. your friends or family or anybody, then it's like, really time to take a step back and look at yourself and say like why what am I looking for in all these external relationships that I don't have within myself yeah. and how can I get myself to a point where I feel confident and comfortable enough in myself that I'm not finding all these other sources to try to make myself feel fulfilled yeah that's a bar right there that's awesome yeah. Okay. Yeah, as, we, as we go to, um, as we go to the, you know, winding down in this part, I do want to get into kind of the thing we've been, you know, building up to all this way, which is your creative projects and your creative works you have kind of coming up. So you, um, DM me on our internal work messaging system, uh, a couple of months ago and basically said that like, Hey, I want to talk to you about kind of, you know, overall branching out and doing this thing. And mm -hmm. I was all over it and I was like, fuck yeah, let's go and, you know, do it, whatever. And so, you know, so go into your creative side a little bit. So you reached out to talk to me about this. So what do you want to do and what is the end goal? And like, wh like wh what is the why behind all of it? So like, you tell me, what is it wh like what the end goal is and, and why everything that, you know, you want to, you know, kind of transform your outside of maybe the day job life into, and maybe mm -hmm. take it over one day. Yeah, no. Yeah. My entire life, I've always been a super creative person. Like seriously, ever since I was 
born. The, my earliest memories of when I was like, like three years old was I used to put on shows for my brothers. Like I used to literally get toys and I would give like, put on like a little show for them. I used to act in front of my family. When I was younger growing up, I was in like acting classes and I did plays. Oh, fun. Um, always, always super creative with write, reading. I love to read. I love to write. I love to draw. I've also, also always been like a really talented artist, you know, growing up. Then I feel like I hit a point in time, probably around like high school um, and then in, throughout college where I fell victim to the whole, I want to fit a certain mold and I want to be a certain way. And, you know, I believed all of these false narratives about like, oh, well, if you know, if you want to pursue a career in art, you're not going to make any money. And, you know, you should pick a job that's going to be lucrative and you should pick a school that's like going to give you the connections that you need to be successful. And all of that, you know, which there's grains of truth in, you know, certain advice that I was getting. But at the same time, I feel like I had, I really tried to mold myself into somebody that I wasn't just for the sake of being more, you know, marketable job wise. Yep. Um, and, you know, I've been doing well. I do like really love my job that I have now, but I feel like I, I need those creative outlets back in my life to feel fulfilled, to feel happy. And maybe someday yeah, to make that a full-time career. So yeah, when I reached out to you a couple months ago uh, was to actually ask about writing a book um, because, you know, you're the only person that I know that's written a book, which is pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> amazing. I know, yeah, I know that you would have, you know, a good perspective to give to me on that. So yeah, my book is actually, I give you a little bit of a teaser about what it's going to be about without getting yeah. into too much information but um it's about it's sort of a science fiction book and it's going to be about AI and sort of the dynamic between AI and people in the future and what potential situations might look like as AI continues to evolve um and you know working in tech being I'm being you know I'm pretty knowledgeable about this stuff mm -hmm. you know it's always something that's top of mind and it's science it's a science fiction book but it's not going to be too unrealistic I don't think I, I wouldn't imagine yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is which is a little bit scary it's kind of like going to be like a drama thriller um some of the characters are modeled after myself people that I know um but yeah it's just I don't know I had that creative flair back in me I'm trying to tap back into that again with the writing also planning on starting YouTube channel, which I mentioned. Um, and I don't have like a real set plan for the type of content that I want to put out on YouTube, but um, I'm thinking, you know, just whatever current events or topics that I feel like I'm interested in and I want to make a video like commenting about it, then that's what I'm going to do. Um, but yeah, just little ways that I can scratch like that creative itch. That's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm sort of a passion project type of person. And my ultimate dream is to be able to work on, on my passions like full time and maybe not dedicate a full time, you know, 40 hour a week, like career to one thing, but rather like have be focused on multiple different little side projects and kind of have that keep me going throughout life. And I think that's my ultimate goal. And for now, you know, sales is great. I do feel like I'm learning a lot in my sales career and I really, really enjoy it. Um, but I want to, yeah, tap back into that creative side again and then see where that takes me. That's awesome. Really, really cool. And and I think like that's kind of something that people struggle a lot too is like, what piece should I go into? Like, what should I, what should I pick? What should I do? Everything. Mm -hmm. I am a, a very big advocate of kind of just like go very broad and then your niche will naturally narrow because kind of to your point, like 
your passions have a way of dominating everything that you do, regardless of whether you kind of try to control it or not. And so you'll eventually kind of pivot to a bunch of things. And I think I have a lot of those things now. And one of those is like, that might be, you know, a lot of what, you know, future books look like for you for more than one book, or you do something else like this. I think like, like all of my books, the one uh, value economics, the ones coming out later this year, and the one that I'm researching now are things that I've written about for a very, very long time. And it's kind of just like their repeated patterns over and over again. And I said, okay, why, why don't we just repackage this and, you know, try to go over the broader theme and try to just hit it over the head with this one big thing. So I think that that's a very, very appropriate place to start. And I'm, I'm super, I didn't know you started your book. So I'm very, very glad that you started writing your, I'm very, very yeah. happy to hear that. When did you start? Um, I actually started a while ago, probably, probably like six months ago. It was actually before the okay. last time we talked, I'm like okay. one chapter in like six pages in, not very far. Um, but yeah, no, I think about it a lot. And another thing like that's really interesting and maybe related, maybe it's not, but I have crazy, crazy dreams. And this book was actually inspired by a dream that I had. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. And I find like inspiration pretty easily. I'm somebody who's, you know, I don't know, I can be inspired by like a good song or like by a, a movie or my dreams or something that I like see in nature, like just outside, like I'm always finding inspiration and stuff. And I want to do something with all of that inspiration that I find. Yeah. Um, so I've started, you know, I do try to keep a, a dream journal when I have these crazy dreams. So many, I have so many more book ideas too, that have just come from dreams. And a really interesting fact, which I don't know if you know this, but JK Rowling actually was inspired by one of her dreams when she wrote Harry Potter. Really? So, oh, I did yeah. not do that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So it's it funny. Well and, so I guess that, that might be the way to go. I don't know. And again, it's like something about that. Just to me, it feels like your intuition. You know what I mean? It feels like yeah. Yeah. your heart and your soul is telling you like, I feel so interested in this thing. And can you imagine, you know, sharing this idea, this concept with the world, um, you know, just putting it out there can touch a lot of people. So I've decided I want to listen to my intuition listen to my dreams and turn them into a reality into a book. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think the last the last big thing I want to hit on is is so you said you kind of and you you alluded to earlier that you kind of were a very creative person growing up. You had a lot of you did a lot of things. You did theater and and drawing and 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 mm -hmm. and everything else. What appeals to you so much about writing specifically? Like why do you want books and writing to be your entry point into your creative like, you know, empire that you want to create theoretically why, why do you want that to be your entry point not like making instagram reels or starting like a you know a content page on tiktok or something like that why do you want that to be your entry point because i think it's very differentiated from when people say like quote unquote the creator economy yeah. i think a lot of different you know scenarios and things about that but why do you want writing to be your entry point because for me i think writing is the easiest place to start um there's no learning curve there's no new tech, fancy technology required, no microphone, camera, fancy setup, you know, learning how to use a new app, an editing app or anything like that. Like it's literally like it just you and your thoughts and, you know, a computer or even like a pen and paper. So yeah. that's where for me, it's like, I, and I know I can do it. I know I'm passionate about doing it. It's something I really enjoy doing. So it's an easy first step. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm super happy for you, Kim. And that was the last Thank thing I had, but I always like to end for just kind of, if you have any advice, final thoughts, things you want to plug, anything like that, anything you want to say before we sign off? No, I mean, thank you so much for having me, Sam. I feel like we touched on a lot of really good things. I hope whoever listens to this feels leaves feeling a little bit inspired or maybe has a new perspective on some things that maybe they're going through or things that they're thinking about in life. And yeah, I'm just happy to be a part of this. And I think what you're doing is great. So keep up the good work yourself. 
Thank you, Cayman. I appreciate it. And I appreciate uh, everyone else listening. Thank you for tuning in. Another original podcast next week. Own, uh, own the day. Open your mind. Thanks for listening, everybody. Popping, stopping, popping like a rabbit. When I take Bobino Rose, you know I got to have it. I lay back in the cut, retain myself. Think about the shit and I think for real. How can I mix my grip? And how should I make that nigga straight?